We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's episode with Goldie Felsenstein was pretty much an actual ladies' night. Sitting down with candles and wine, Goldie and I had a deep and authentic conversation regarding her unique story of perseverance, challenges, and facing situations beyond her years. Goldie's story isn't just inspiring because she's literally self-made. It's because when you look past her beautifully curated feed, the places she's traveled to, the high-end photo shoots she's worked on, you never guess what it took to get her there. Starting from the time she was young, as one of the only girls in her class with parents who were divorced, Goldie struggled with feeling different. Financially independent at age 16, then fundraising and working her way through her years of study abroad, as well as college through working in unconventional and sometimes demeaning work to pay her bills. Not only did Goldie face these challenges with positivity and perseverance, she managed to create a beautiful and successful life for herself. Currently, Goldie is a highly skilled and sought-after makeup artist, float around the world for weddings, celebrations, and photo shoots. Listen in to hear Goldie's story of inspiration, dedication, and success mindset, which got her to where she is today. I was so inspired, and I know you will be too. I grew up in Brooklyn, and at the age of 14, I moved to the Five Towns. Um, my parents had just gotten divorced um, legally. So my mom just wanted, you know, change of pace, picked up, moved to the five towns. I went to Prospect Elementary and then in the five towns, I went to SKA um, after for 10th, 11th and 12th grade. After SKA, I went to Israel for two years, was in Bear Merriam for my first year and Rina Zippor for my second year, which is a Shanabet program, which closed down, but they were a Shanabet program. And then I went to Stern for three years. I got my business degree. Um, I majored in marketing and business management um, and minored in creative writing just for fun. Um, and then while I was in college, I started building up my makeup career. I mean, I went to makeup school when I was 15, but and I was doing it throughout high school and doing my friends all the time from a very young age. And when I was in, in Stern, I really wanted to pursue it. I almost did that full-time while I was in school full, full-time. And then once I graduated, I focused all my energy and efforts just on makeup. And thank God it's my full-time career and um, it's my dream job. So I'm so grateful to be doing this job full-time and always, you know, looking for ways to, to grow and get better at what I do. Wow. Okay. I just learned some new things about you because I had no idea that you went to makeup school at age 15. Yeah. That's very young. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. My best friends and I went together and like we took the subway together and we needed like permission, special permission to go. Cause we were the youngest ones probably ever to go. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a cool experience. 
yeah, that that is really cool, especially because you started so young. Was this like a childhood dream of yours to always? Yeah, I yeah, I literally put makeup on my friends at eight years old and would take pictures of them by like my washing machine as like the background. Like I still have these pictures now of a green eyeshadow, like hot pink lipstick. Like I always loved it and always put I always had makeup as a kid like everyone just gave me their like leftover garbage makeup and I was that kid that just like collected everyone's garbage and always put it on (laughs) for years (laughs) for years so yeah I always loved it that's amazing so how did you get into it so you said you started at age eight I well I think it's I think for as far back as my memory can go I got my first makeup set at age seven for a birthday present it was probably like crayons it was probably like you know those like fake makeup from like amazing savings but I loved it and I just I I bought a lot of makeup from amazing savings because it was the only thing that I could afford at the time um and my mom's friends used to give me their makeup and my mom would give me but I was like look through her makeup um collection and I thought it was like so grand and so crazy um and so much and yeah I just I guess I just always loved it that's great that's so cool it's funny because and I really thought that I was obsessed with makeup from a young age but now hearing you at the makeup school when you're 15 that's like <laughs> yeah I, I I think it was my calling in life I don't know if that's if that's a thing but if it is a thing then definitely yeah. think I always had makeup going for me in some way or another yeah, and I've seen your work. I mean, you're very talented, and this is coming from another artist. So, thank you. Know? you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. So, so okay. So let's backtrack a little bit because you mentioned that you went to Stern and you went to college for a few years. So why did you decide to go to college if you already knew that you were going to become a makeup artist? So that's a great question, actually, and people ask that all the time. Um, I just always had a dream of going to, to college, I guess maybe because none of my parents went. They're both not from America. My mom is Moroccan-Canadian. My dad's um, Israeli, but grew up in England, so he's European. And college wasn't really a thing in my family, um, and I kind of didn't want that. I really value education and you know the stimulation and discipline that comes along with that, and I wanted that for myself. So I really pushed myself to get a degree and I just wanted to always have something to fall back on just in case, you know? Yes, that's great. No, that's fantastic. So you knew that you were going to become a makeup artist, but you wanted to just have a degree like in your back pocket and for the education. Yeah, like I always, yeah, like I was doing makeup way before college, but I just wanted it. I, I felt like also a business degree can only help my business. You know, you have to be able to be, um, business minded in order to make this lucrative and to, to be profitable because makeup is expensive. I don't know if I have, any of you have ever bought makeup, but it's very <laughs> expensive. And if you actually want to make money and become profitable and not just feel like you're breaking even, you have to be smart about it. So I definitely picked up some cool skills in school. Um, just learning different things that I would have probably never, you know, had learned if not Right. For sure. Yeah. I'm happy that I did it for sure. Yeah. So let's like backtrack a little bit. So you mentioned that you're, that you moved to the five towns when your parents legally got divorced. So what's the backstory here? Oh, so yeah. So they were separated for four years. They got separated when I was 11. Um, And then I was in sixth grade 
And then they were in court back and forth for four years. So finally, when they settled, which felt like decades later, um, my mom just like, you know, wanted out. She's like, I'm getting out of here. Peace out, Brooklyn. And I was really happy to get out of Brooklyn. No offense to anyone who hears, who's listening from Brooklyn. I definitely, I grew up there. So it was like my home, but I definitely love and appreciate the five towns so much for what it has to offer and for my lifestyle. And um, my dad still lives in Brooklyn. So, you know, I still go there and I have a lot of clients from Brooklyn, a lot of jobs in Brooklyn, friends. So it's very much still part of my life, but just for, for my home, I definitely enjoy the five towns more. Right. No, I, Listen, to each their own, you know? Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have two brothers. Um, I'm the oldest. And my brothers are 23 and 16. And then I have four half. My dad remarried. And he has four little kids. So they're like half siblings. Yeah. They're cute. Yeah. We like them. Yeah. It's it's funny to imagine (laughs) having like little siblings. I can't imagine that, you know? Right. They're very confused. They're like, wait, she's her sister, but like, how? <laughs> like, <laughs> they, like, it's hard for them to understand, but it, it feels like kind of like a niece and nephew. It's like that type of bond. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. Okay. So um, going back, was it unusual in your circles to have parents who were divorced? Were you like the only kid in your class or did you have friends also whose parents? That's a great question. Honestly, I was one of the very, very few, which sounds so crazy because it feels like everyone's divorced, but I, it was literally like probably me and another kid or two kids. Most of my friends, like no one really felt like what I was going through because most of my friends' parents were married. Um, and I'm happy, you know, thank God for that. But very, very, very few, like my closest friends, no, all their parents are married. Did you feel different because- your friends had two parent homes. Was it like hard for you? Of course, of course. I, I still feel different. <laughs> How did um, it impact you? I never felt like an equal, which is crazy to say that, but I, I always felt like a little bit inferior. Yeah, it was. It, it was like a more of a subconscious feeling, but I just never felt equal. Like I always felt like something was different about me, which there was, or. Or just I was at a disadvantage, or if only my life would have been like XYZ, then I would have been XYZ. Like there were so many things that came with it. That's so hard. Was it was it like an internal thing, do you think? Or was it based on the way people treated you? You know what I mean? It was like 95% in my head. Okay. It was really in my head. Um, because if you think about it from a superficial perspective, like what do little like sixth grade kids, fifth grade kids, like what do they know? They don't know. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but like, how would it make sense for them to treat you differently? Like when they don't know anything, right? Right. Like all they know is okay. Her parents are not together, like in a very, very elementary level, but it was in my, more in my head that made me feel less than, or like, I'm not good enough myself. Right. Right. And of course I'm sure it has to do with a lot of the feelings that you had, I believe had to do with the way that you saw the world, right? So if you, let's say, saw the world as girls who have two two parents living together, that's ideal. And that's kind of like the standard, society standard. Um, 
And because my parents don't live together and they're separated, therefore I am less than, you know what I mean? Right, right. And it's so hard for a kid. It's so hard for an 11 year old who thinks that she sees the world a certain way. And all of a sudden you're just like, no, this is, I don't have this. So I'm less than, even though you're totally not, of course, God forbid, you know what I mean? You're just as you're an equal, just like. It's true, but I'll be honest. It took me so many years to feel comfortable in my skin. Really? Like until I was out of high school to just feel comfortable with who I am. And it's still a work in progress, but I'm definitely way, way, way um, more ahead than I was back in high school, but it took me a long time for, it took me a long time and a lot of work to just be comfortable and like feel okay and enough and competent and capable. It's still in a, a work in progress, Like there's definitely off days for sure. Yeah, for sure. I feel like a lot of that, I don't know if you call it discomfort or lack of self-confidence, whatever it is. I'm sure a lot of it was because you know how everything is formed in your younger years. So if you already started feeling when you were 11 years old, that you're not like that you're subpar or less than other girls, then it's kind of going to be infused into your psyche a little bit. So it's something that you're yeah. have to, that you have to work on. How, how have you managed to, to work on that? Like, so uh, that's like, it's a just simple, but loaded question at the same time. Um, it's funny. I actually remember in high school, like I had a teacher and she was like very, very confident. Like you could tell she like got it together. She did the work. And I went over to her one day and I was like, I just want to like, I'm like, I know this is a really rare question, but how are you so comfortable on your own skin? Because people that are really comfortable and confident exude that energy and people pick up on that and they're receptive to that. And she's like, honestly, it took me almost 40 years and I'm still not there. And I've been working on it very, very much, like very intensely and very consciously. And I was like, okay, that kind of reassured me because someone that's 40 years old plus is saying that, that it's a lot of work, then like, I don't have to have it all figured out at 17 years old. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) But I definitely, um, that's part of what Israel helped me do. My experience in Israel was, yeah, a ton of fun and I did crazy things, but also it was such an inward experience and such a like it was very it was hard emotionally and mentally just because I was just trying to figure out like who am I what do I believe in what are my values um how you know what kind of person do I want to be to my friends to myself and doing all that work like focusing just on doing the work on yourself definitely had a big part of it and then in Stern I'll be honest I didn't do much work on myself because I was so preoccupied with studying with running to classes running to work I'm just flying all day every day so it was so hard to focus on myself and then when I graduated I was able to breathe and now continuously I'm doing work on myself every single day but I'm not done I'm not done no one is far from done yeah it's such a work in progress but I think that really like also talking to people I, I, you know, if I find, if I meet someone that's confident and put together and has a good career and I'm motivated by them and inspired, I'll talk to them and I'll ask them and I'll just get deep and not be awkward about it. You know, (laughs) I I feel like there's like a stigma around being deep and, and, 
you know, and having emotional literacy and there's no need for that. Just like get right into it. And I always like joke to my friends, like I'm bad at small talk. Like I only know (laughs) how to have deep talk. (laughs) So like sometimes I need to just like recenter and be like, okay, we could talk about shoes and bags and food and that's okay too. We don't always have to talk about like our deep emotions and, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I love that though. Yeah, I try not to be too heavy just because there's, it's important to have a balance between like being fun and easy and light and enjoyable and then like being deep and in your feelings. So I have definitely a group of friends that like our normal like, hi, how are you is like deep and in our feelings. I'm like, it, we can pick up and stop at any time and it's totally normal. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> I have those. Yeah, I love it. I love it for sure. So you were going through this hard time like internally since you from the time you were 11 until really like even after your parents got divorced right so you had your friends most of them had two parent homes did you have either any teachers or mentors who made a difference in your life or anyone who went out of their way or just knew what to do to support you that you could tell me about maybe to give people ideas of how they could support their friends or people who they know who who are in similar situations Right. That's a great question. So I think in elementary school, I kept it inside and it was very, very unhealthy for me. Um, I was sad a lot. I was in pain a lot and I had to channel it and just like get spiritual for a second. I channeled it a lot, like through prayer, like always from a young age, like I took my sitter and I would just like ball my eyes out in my sitter and like I'm like okay like Hashem's listening you know he's like my therapist he's my go-to and then when it became more comfortable like in my older years to talk about it I reached out to people that I felt had that balance and that equilibrium of like you know being deep and having gone through stuff but also normal and functioning and I would just seek out advice and just you know, ask them what worked for them and just talk to them. And even just being, I I found that like being around healthy minded people did a lot for me. Like Even if we weren't talking about heavy things, just like hanging out by certain teachers houses and seeing how they raise their kids and just forming these aspirations in my head of what I want my life and future and home to be like really helped shape me. Um, And then until I got to Israel where I was really independent and really spent time away um, with other people and weekends and nights and days and holidays and you know like really really, like threw myself in there and started doing a lot a lot of work but in high school it was more like the few people in school like I felt comfortable and safe with you know that I wasn't like intimidated by or I wasn't I I was just comfortable being around them with easy energy I would just you know hang around them That's great. It's true. It doesn't always have to be like a heavy or deep discussion. It could just be like learning through, through observing them or seeing what they're doing or whatever it is. Exactly. Even as they are, even just having a functioning marriage with their spouse and being a good mother and being there for their kids and also being there for their students. Like that was inspiring to me. Yeah, I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So when you were 16, you moved to the five towns with your mom, right? Yeah. You, when we spoke last week, you mentioned that you, 
you've had some serious challenges, right? A lot of, you were on your own financially when you were 16. So could we talk about that for a little bit? Like what happened there yeah. and, and what you went through? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So it's always like interesting when, I guess I just, I grew up and I never really had things handed to me. Not I never really, I never did have anything handed to me. It was always like, you need to work and earn it. So that's the only way I know. It's really the only, um, you know, like thing that I was used to. Um, so it would always be like anytime I wanted something would be like, okay, well, what did you do to deserve it? Oh, is it a report card present? Is it a Hanukkah? Is it um, a birthday? And eventually I got, you know, too old for that. Like I wasn't getting birthday presents really. I wasn't really getting like Hanukkah presents. Like we never, my family was never the type that did like eight presents. Like, you know, these kids that get like 150 presents every Hanukkah, like that was yeah. never my family. Like you're lucky if you got like a dreidel type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's hilarious. So once I got like older and I had like random summer jobs and like I worked in high school, I I was like a nanny to these kids after school and stuff. So I feel like my parents were like, okay, she's independent. Like we don't have to like give her money or anything. Um, and they didn't always have what to give me. And I didn't always like asking because it just made me uncomfortable to ask. Like I, I never liked it and I never, and I don't, I still don't like it. Um, just asking for in general for things. So when I was in 12th grade, like I was, you know, I was working holidays. I worked on programs. Like I ran kids programs. Like I was always hustling in some way. I always was making money somehow, even makeup, doing makeup. Um, and then when I went to seminary, it was kind of like, okay, like you're 18, you're on your own, like, you know, chow, chow, <laughs> take care, <laughs> figure it out. Like, out of, like, not that this is what they thought, but it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind, like you do, you take care, but figure it out. You're in Israel type of thing. I think that's what they were thinking. Um, I mean, that's what my, you know, my dad, that's what he was thinking, but my mom, like, always, you know, tried to hop out when she can and always helped out in other ways for sure. But, like, if she couldn't financially, like, I totally understood and it was, I never pressed her. Um, and then in seminary, like, three months in seminary, I stopped getting any money, like, zero. And I didn't have any, like, I didn't really have savings. Um, so I'm like, okay, shoot, like, I need a job just because... I never liked the penny pinch. Like it was never my style. I always like to just live comfortably, get what I need and not really have to think twice. There are so many times before I get it. So I'm like, okay, I'll go out and find a job. Like how, this can't be so hard. So I found a job in Urhavia, um, nannying five kids. And it was extremely difficult. The kids, you know, they were cute, but they had you know, a fair set of issues and difficulties that made it really hard for me and really taxing on me because I was in seminary trying to, you know, learn and get my seminary experience. And I was running from my class to work, coming back like at midnight, taking buses, um, and it was just very, very intense. But I, I did it. I sucked it up, I guess. Um, and that was my first year. Wow. That's amazing. So you were 18 years old, pretty much on your own. And you found yourself a job. How'd you find yourself a job, first of all, as a nanny? So I think it just like, I think like Hashem just hooked it up. Like someone had that job and quit. 
right when I was looking and it just fell into my lap kind of thing. Like I didn't really have to look too hard for it. Uh, and I mean, listen, there were good aspects to it for sure, but it was overall challenging. Like all my friends sure. who work there quit. <laughs> so they're just like, how the heck do you do this? It's impossible. So wow. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm not a quitter. So I just like kept going, kept going, kept going. And like, it probably wasn't the healthiest for me, but I'm like, all right, you got to do what you got to do. Like this is survival mode. Wow. So, That's yeah. amazing. Cause I don't think, you know, typical 18 year olds would do that. I don't know anyone that would. I mean, seriously, I don't know, like, because <laughs> I feel like people think that seminary, which, by the way, is the year abroad in Israel, which uh, a lot of religious Jewish girls do for as their first or second year, or first and second year, um, college. Just for those of you listening who aren't familiar with with what seminary is, um, and most most girls when they're in seminary, they, it's kind of like a more of a selfish year. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of the, the year that you take care of yourself and in all ways, you know what I mean? So the fact that you were going and working so hard and giving to others so that you could support yourself, it just seems really like a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely was a lot. I feel like everyone, you know, like I meet so many girls now that go and, you know, have their parents' credit cards and are always like, I had a lot of friends like that that were always out to eat always cabbing everywhere. I'm like hustling, trumping, catching rides. Like my friends and I, we were, don't come at me. I know it's not safe now, but we did, we did it and it worked and we got by some way wow. or another. That's crazy. That's amazing. Wow. I thought that you mentioned that you were on your own from when you were 16 though. Yeah. So honestly, I, I started working. I started working when I was 12. That's the truth. I started babysitting at 12. I worked every summer. I did. I I was a counselor in a day camp. I worked upstate in a day camp. I worked in a restaurant once for a little bit, like this Chinese restaurant. I don't know how I got there, but I did. Um, I always I worked in a day camp near me. Like I always had jobs. Um, I worked in Camp Kaylee. Like I I always was working. Um, and then from when I was like sixteen, like I you know really like my parents they just like no and they just weren't giving me money like it wasn't like unless it was something that I really really needed and even so I kind of had to figure it out on my own um and that was in 11th 11th grade and I mean here and there they would you know um do, do something or pay for something but it wasn't like expected is what I mean it wasn't like this is the norm. I need something. I'm going to run to my parents to ask for money. It wasn't like that. Right. Okay. Um, I got it. Yeah. So, okay. So moving on to your second year seminar, you mentioned that you went back for a second year. So how did that go? Yeah. So that <laughs> didn't go. <laughs> um, I, I really wanted to go. Okay. So what happened was I went to Poland um, in my first year. I went to Poland and I had to fundraise for that because it was very expensive and I had no way of paying for it, but I knew that I had to go. And I'm the type that once I set my mind to something, there is a nothing and no one that can stop me. Come hell or high waters, I don't <laughs> care. Like, I'm so stubborn. And it, it just, I, maybe I was born that way. Like, maybe I was just a really stubborn kid. I don't know, but that's just my personality. So I wanted to go to Poland. I made it happen. I fundraised. I turned over the world. I went. Um, when you. I went to Poland, yeah, thank God it was the best experience. When I went to Poland, one of the rabbis there was the rabbi of 
we're not supporting. So he introduced me to his son. That was just the Shauna Bet program, which I thought was so cool because they focus just on 25 girls as a second year and that's it. I'm like, wait, I really want to come back. Like, there's no way I'm done my work here. Like, I wasn't ready to go to Stern. I, I deferred for another year. And I had an interview and I told the rabbi, I'm like, listen, I have zero way of paying for this. I have no money. I can't even afford a flight back to Israel. My parents, my mom cannot afford this. And my, my father is not paying for this. So, But I want to let you know that I will... If you, if you let me come and accept me, I will find a way to do whatever I can to, to, to be here and to pay for it and to do the best that I can. And he said, okay, I think he believed in me and saw my drive and my desire to be there. I really wanted to be there. It wasn't like anyone was like, oh, you have to go back. Right. I really wanted to be there. And I it was on the Navi campus. And the first, I remember the first day I was there, I was like, I turned to my best friend. I was like, Shifi, what's my plan? How the heck am I paying for this? Even to get, no, so backtrack. So that summer I worked with him, Kaylee. And I remember like, I spent my off days, like the two off days that I had, like the whole month, um, calling people to fundraise and being like, hey, listen, I really want to go back to Israel and I really need your help. And that was a very humbling experience because who the heck likes to ask for money? No one. Um, Kudos to you for doing it, though. Yeah. Even like asking for tzedakah for a different organization is hard enough, but let alone asking for yourself. But I didn't care. And I hit up every rabbi that I ever knew in my entire existence, literally. And I told them. So some were able to help a little bit. Um, I had a rabbi in high school that was really like, we're still very, very close, but he reached out to people in my high school. Like, so people gave, like, it was really nice to see who like came through for you. And I didn't raise a ton, but I raised a little bit just to like, get me there. Um, just to get me on the plane, literally. And when I got there, so I turned to Shivy and I was like, okay, like, what's my plan? I need to, I got to start hustling, like, you know. And we saw a sign that was posted on the bulletin that said, looking for a cleaner once a week. And I turned to Shivy and I was like, Shivy, there's no way I'm going to start cleaning houses. This cannot be a thing. Like, when did I ever pick up a broom in my life? Like, I don't know how. I'll probably make it dirtier. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Like I'm flying <sighs> all the time. And I was like, I'm too embarrassed to call. You need to call Shifi. So she <laughs> calls for me. I remember this day like it was yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, just tell them your name is Goldie. I don't know. And she called and then I showed up and I come to this house. OMG. There's two humongous dogs. And I almost had a heart attack. Every time they barked, I literally, my, like, my, my blood pressure <laughs> went up like crazy. And I started, I just, I was like, okay, teach me. I'll, I'll, let's go. I'll do this. Wow. And they basically just gave me like uh, a mop and a bucket and like sprays and like, okay, go clean. And I was like, wow, what, what does this do? And like, I learned things along the way. I, I, and one job turned into two jobs, turned into like three jobs. I had like three or four steady jobs every week. And after, so my Shanabet schedule was morning classes and then evening classes. So in middle of the day, I would run from like class, run quickly, lunch, and then like hop on a bus or depending where the job was 
and just clean for like four or five hours at a time. And it was intense. Like I wore the same bleached clothes. Um, I had like a set of like bleached clothes because bleach doesn't come out. It like makes your clothes orange. And I would just do it. And I just really tried to have a smile on my face and to do it gracefully and to keep telling myself, like, I'm doing this for the right reasons. Like I'm doing this because I really want to be here and I'm happy about it. And I'm not going to be, you know, dreadful and I'm going to have a good attitude and a good spirit. And that's what I kept telling myself for the whole year. I did it for 10 months. And there were some days that I did it for 10 hours a day. Like I would have three jobs a day on Thursdays. We didn't have night classes. I would just work from like one o'clock to like 10, 11. I would come back and wake up Friday morning. And like, I could not move my body. Like I was, I would lay in bed and like literally miss every bus because I could not move. And it was a really crazy experience. I got actually really good at it. Um, I forgot everything I learned just because I'm just, you know, once you do something for so long, you're like, I never want to do this again, but I got pretty good at it. And I really like hustled really hard. I made good money. It was actually a really well-paying job for Israel, like more than minimum wage. And um, I did it and I, I paid, you know, whatever I could for some. And I was able to pay for food and things that I needed in Israel. Um, I flew back for a very close friend's wedding. I was able to pay for that, which was nice. I traveled a bit. And there were definitely times that it was really, really tough. Like sometimes my skin would be burnt from like the bleach and the chemicals. Um, I would just like, you know, be on my hands and knees, like literally scrubbing toilets and I'm perfectionist. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. And your house is going to be freaking sparkling. So <laughs> I was like very intense about it, you know? Wow. I, I could honestly say that I don't think I know one person who would do what you did. That is incredible because, okay, so let's go. <laughs> I have a lot to say about this, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, being a cleaning woman is not the norm in our circles, right? So you come from, you, you came from Brooklyn and the five towns and your friend's mothers either don't work or they work in, you know, office, typical office jobs, probably right. Business, whatever it is. And you're going, you go to Israel and it's almost a little bit for lack of better word. Was it at all like degrading? Of course. Right. So of course, that was a freaking cleaning lady. Of right. course. So how did, how did I get over that? The shame and the, and the, yeah. How did you get over that? Like, because that's, especially coming from America, norm. right? It's yeah, not the norm, course. right? So coming so, from the five towns, hello. Right. Coming from the five it's towns. Like, <laughs> it's unheard of. It's unheard of. I know. That's a good question. Honestly, like I said before, I really just kept my focus. So, um, in the forefront of my brain, like I'm like, I'm doing this so I could be in Israel so I could learn so I could focus on my Judaism so I could grow as a person so I could become spiritually mentally emotionally healthy and complete and like this if this is what I need to do then I'm gonna do it and I would like listen to Shiram while I was doing it or like you know um self-help stuff but a, a lot of like Shiram like a lot a lot and just kind of utilize my time and and you know tell myself like okay like um 
doing this now, but I'm also listening to something amazing and I'm, um, you know, doing this for the right reasons. And I really just try to keep my focus um, really there all the time. But it was definitely hard. I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes I would just be so run down. I would physically get sick. Like, I would get, sh- like, and I don't think I really, really, really don't get sick, Leonara. But I would get, like, strep or something and something weird and not the norm just because I was working so hard. And it was stressful, probably. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because I was, I would always set goals of, okay, I'm giving myself this amount of time to do this whole house. And I always, I love the transformation, even with makeup. Like, I love the before and the after. So I was always very into, like, okay, this house looks like a bomb hit it, but like, we're going to make it perfect and sparkling and spotless. I always loved the before and after, but it, I always, I didn't always work for such nice people. I really didn't. Um, some jobs were just stressful environments. And it was a lot, but I just always, you know, tried to stay focused. Right. Wow. And I knew it wasn't forever. I I really knew that it was just for that year. Right. And that's probably what helped you go through it because you knew that it wasn't, you know, wasn't permanent. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm never like touching a broom when I get home ever, but like, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And yeah. So was it worth it? Like looking back, hundred percent, hundred percent. I needed that year so badly, and aside from like the most amazing friends that I made that year, um, like really like such solid, amazing, good girls. It was, it was another year of like of growth and even like spiritual growth and just really solidifying everything that I worked hard to do my first year and figure out. It was just like a very solid year. During that time, did you feel at all resentful towards your parents? Like, why are you not supporting me? I have to do this now. Good question. Um, hmm. I didn't even think about it, honestly. I'm very, the way my brain works is that I'm so solution oriented that I, I don't really like harp on like the problem or like, I feel angry at you and I feel resentful at you. Like, I just, I'm like, okay, this is what it is. And now we need to figure out a solution. So let's get to work. Right. That's just how my brain works. So like, I don't waste energy being angry, even though I could, but to me, it wouldn't get me anywhere anyways. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's probably the healthy way of living. Any, you know what I mean? Because why should you harp on the negativity? Just figure out how to fix yeah, it. Like yeah. Like I would just focus on making my life as good as it can be. Right. Right. So looking back, how did this shape you, you know, cleaning other people's homes during that year? Um, it's a great question. How did it shape me? I guess I just proved myself and showed myself that like really nothing can get in my way of what I want. And physically, like I physically showed up in every way, shape, or form that I could. Um, and I knew that it'll be worth it for for the in the long run. Um, you know, for the kind of person that I'll marry, for myself, for my own growth. And yeah, I just, I guess like, you know, you, everyone knows they have inner strength, but sometimes you have to really actually utilize it. And then you're like, wow, I really have inner strength. I'm really resilient. It's not like just people just say that. Like I literally am resilient. I will clean 
toilets to be in this school. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. It's a whole different experience. <laughs> right. And also, also, I want to just as a side point, just say that, of course, we're not putting down anyone who does clean homeless for a living. You know what I mean? We all do what, what works for us. In terms of your story, Goldie, and where you come from, it was just so out of the norm that for you, it was for you, it was it was degrading. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But I also just want to say that something that helped get me through it was that I had two other friends in my son that also did it, not as intensely or to the capacity that I did, but we would just sit there for hours and laugh and joke, like till we like, had tears. Like we always found the humor in it. And I would always come back with stories and we always just bonded over that. Like it was a very real group of girls that this was like, okay, like no one judged me and I felt loved and accepted and even more loved. And we just turned these crazy times into just bonding, funny experiences. So definitely using humor also helped me in my life tremendously because really like everything is, you know, jokeable. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you could laugh during the hard times, that's what gets you through it. For sure. Uh, But did did the other girls, besides for the girls who were also cleaning homes, did the other girls in your seminary know what what was going on? I think everyone more or less knew. Because if you didn't know, you saw me in bleached clothes. So the same blue sweater and black old navy skirt that was bleached and bleached converse. So everyone pretty much knew. Right. Yeah. And I think that, like, you made a really great point a few minutes ago when you said that you felt loved and accepted by everybody, like no one judged you. And that's so important because it doesn't matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing or the curveballs life has thrown at you, when people support you and and just give you unconditional love, that's the way to get through anything. Yeah, it's so true. Like, I don't think I would have been able to do it in an environment where my friends weren't supportive or like, I felt like they were looking down at me. Right. My friends were so supportive and like they admired it, even if they themselves couldn't do it. And that was enough to keep me going. Right. Right. I mean, honestly, if we didn't have other people and people to like cheer us on and get us through everything, I don't know, like life would not be, you can't live like that. You know, you really can't, you really, really can't. Um, Yeah, like even in the hierarchy of needs, being accepted and being secure with, with, you know, amongst people and feeling loved is is so high up there. Like we need it to to physically exist and to be, we need that. So it's a basic human need. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you feel when you came back to America after the year was over? What, what was your like emotional state at the time? Like, how are you feeling after you just incorporated so much learning into your life and self-development and at the same time you were working so hard cleaning people's homes you know like like what was your mindset like at that time okay so ready for a huge plot twist yeah of course anything (laughs) (laughs) you ready for this so actually I stayed in Israel um I actually took me a while till I actually was able to afford a ticket home but that's a um, I actually stayed in Israel because a friend of mine ran this little like summer program for girls, you know, that needed a little extra TLC and a little, you know, more in the Judaism side. And she asked me if I could help her run it. So I said, okay, of course, you know, I have time now till Stern starts anyway. Stern was starting in the middle of August. 
And long story short, a week into it, we got in a crazy car accident, a van accident in Israel. Long story short, um, our van was a non-passenger van and I was like in the back corner and we're driving up north, actually on the way to Amuka um, to pray. And our van like swerved out of control like crazy and flipped over on the side of the highway. And I, f- I woke up on the side of the highway. Like I had, I was eating like chocolate ice cream. It was like all over me. And I was like, where am I? And what just happened? It was the, it was so beyond crazy. And basically I, and, and I, I was looking, I'm like, how did I fly out of this van? Like I was in the third row on the left side in the back. So for me to fly out, I had to go straight and then left and then right. So how did I get out of this van? And basically the door of the van flew off into like the field. And I wasn't wearing a seatbelt because I, we just had made a stop and I just got back into the van and we we're just driving. So I, I just didn't put on my seatbelt and I flew out and ended up in the hospital. Thank God by way of a crazy miracle, I didn't break any bones, but I was with two people that did. Um, one girl broke her like sternum and ribs and jaw and just like crazy, crazy stuff. Thank God I was just only bruised. and. Yeah, so I spent like weeks recovering um, in Israel and like back home. I, it was just a very intense accident. So many miracles, but also so much trauma. Um, yeah, our van door just flew off and thank God we didn't, you know, end up in incoming traffic and we were on the news. It was like a whole big thing. And I just spent my summer like kind of, I mean, finished the program, which had like another week and then flew back, limped back on the plane to America. <laughs> um, oh my God. And battered, but got back to America somehow. And then like a week later, I started Stern. So I didn't have much time to really think about it. I kind of just made that transition and moved to the city. I was just busy packing and moving and getting ready for college and like figuring out how college even works. Cause I was literally, my head was in like the seminary world for two years. I had to figure right. out like, you know, how to write my name again on paper. Like, <laughs> it was, yeah, it's been a while since I was like academic. So, wow, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. I, that accident is so scary. Beyond, you can't even imagine. It was, it was yeah okay so you got back from seminary and you you applied to stern um so you started going to college so how did you financially support yourself and pay for college so that's a great question um i worked i don't know how else to say it i i it was very hard i'll be honest like i would have so many breakdowns and like wish I had parents that because I had friends that you know their parents paid for everything like they were able to just sit in college focus on their studies and that's it I had to focus on working also and paying for it because Stern was strict like if you didn't pay a certain amount they would lock you out of your classes you couldn't register for classes for next semester and then you would your whole schedule would get messed up so they were really strict with it I was in the financial office the student aid office like every day no joke like I was 
best friends with everyone there because I we're just like crunching numbers all day and trying to figure out how to make this work. And it took a while. Um, as the years went on, I was, you know, a little financially more um, better off as the years went on. But the first year was definitely, definitely really hard. And you're working as a makeup artist? I did everything, honestly. I worked in the summers. I worked, I was someone's assistant for something, um, personal assistant doing whatever random stuff. I worked all the holidays. I worked my winter break. I was a Mora in a Syrian school. Um, what jobs, what didn't I do? I worked, oh, I did Hask for three years. I worked in the Hask homes um, in Brooklyn for Shabbos. Um, and then I would start to do more and more makeup. Um, I did random girls in Stern. I did, I traveled out. Then my third year Stern, I got really, really busy and was doing like full on wedding parties every Sunday, even regular days, Fridays, just whenever I could. I started teaching classes. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just hustled, honestly. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so I just, first of all, I have so much admiration for you because you just wanted like to get the education that you that you want and that you believed in you worked so hard to get there you spent two years working in Israel doing jobs that really were not you know something that you were interested in doing or, or, or comfortable so out of your comfort zone and then you got back to America and you could have started working as a makeup artist right away and not taken out student loans and dealt with that the pain of that but instead you found a way to do it like you just you wanted to get a degree and you found a way to do it and you worked really hard to get there and it's just it's really amazing Goldie I mean honestly I don't I, I don't know what to say like <laughs> thank you thank you yeah I guess in the moment, I'm just so like fired up. I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Let's go. And I just do it. Yeah, I think I'm sure that at the time you probably like in hindsight, you're looking back and you're like, wow, how did I do that? But at the time, you probably weren't thinking so clearly because if you would have, it would have just like driven you crazy. You know what I mean? Like what you were doing. Yeah. And also it wasn't like, yeah, it was over time also. It wasn't like from, it wasn't like a drastic one day thing. It was over time. So like the kind of like the severity of the uncomfort, the un discomfort kind of like it got, I got used to it. And like human beings are adaptable, you know? So once yes. you get introduced to something new to you, it could be super hard in the beginning, but then you adapt and you acclimate and then you're like, okay, I could do this. It's not so bad. It's my norm. It's, it's what I know. So it kind right. of became like that. Got it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, okay. So right now you are a very well-known and successful makeup artist. Thank God. You've worked really hard to get there. We, we've heard your story. We know that. And I'm sure there's a lot that you haven't said. So you, you've been through a lot, you know, you persevered and, and you've become like most people for sure on Instagram, in our community, in the Jewish community at large, in the Orthodox community, everyone knows your name, you know, makeup Goldie, like everybody knows who you are. So as a child, you know, looking back, do you think you could have imagined that what you would have become like looking back? Because now you're like a household name in the makeup industry, which is so cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing, Goldie. You worked so hard to get there. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably not. Honestly, I don't know if I believed in myself that much. 
I really, sometimes when you work and work and work and work and work, you don't really see the fruits of your labor, right? Because you're just so invested and go, go, go. So like now it's nice to take a step back and be like, wow, you know, thank God I was able to get my name out there and people know who I am. And I, you know, I have a reputation and I, you know, work hard every day to make sure that it's stellar and everything. But I don't know, like I didn't always believe in myself that much to to know like this is what I'm going to become. I just knew that I wanted to, to do to do big things. I never really was sure what or how or how I'm going to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's just so cool that like, so especially looking back now, knowing your background, now that I know your story and seeing where you are, it's just, it's really amazing. Thank you. Because people, here's the thing. People don't realize, you know, until, because on this, at a surface level, if people hear that, okay, you were raised in Brooklyn and you lived in the five towns, you went to seminary for two years and now you're this very well-known makeup artist. Everyone knows who you are. Could you imagine like, no one's going to think to themselves, oh, um, she, like most people are going to think like, oh, of course, it just is like the way it works. Like what from one successful thing to the next from, you know what I mean? But, right. but it now, but when you, they hear your story, it's like, wow this is what it took for her to get here. It wasn't just like handed over. She worked really hard for it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I, I'm even in shock. I'm just like, what the heck was that? But I don't know. I guess this was, you know, what God had planned for me and how he wanted my life to unfold. And like, I just have to, you know, take it as it comes kind of thing and not dwell on what it is. And just strive to be greater and do better. And I guess by nature, I'm a little bit also of an overachiever. <laughs> um, if you couldn't tell, <laughs> I just always like to challenge myself. And maybe sometimes I bite off more than I can chew, guilty. Um, however, it's better for me that way than like, you know, cutting myself too much slack because if you're not moving up, then you're moving down. So I never want to be moving down. Absolutely. Right, right, for sure. So first of all, when, when did you start your Instagram account? So I started here in high school, like in high school, years so had, ago, okay, cool. but it wasn't a thing. It really wasn't like, I was not like, I didn't care. I posted every once and got like two likes. It was all good. Didn't even care. Um, and then it became a, it blew up when I was in Stern, actually, when I was in Israel, I didn't like have Instagram. I like was not on it, but when I was in stern like my first year that's when like the jewish hair makeup world was really getting big it was like really blowing up and really when i was in stern so like five years i feel like at least five years ago was when it peaked and yeah so i've had it for a while but i've only really really like invested tremendously like in my third year in stern i worked very hard to like grow my account and you know, provide really great content and educate my followers and just really invest time in it. Right. And that's also another thing that people don't necessarily realize that these things take time. You worked for years, as you said, to build it up and, you know, until you got this following. Yeah, it definitely was no, um, you know, it was not like a fast pace. It was very slow and very gradual. It was not an overnight success by any means. 
Um, I didn't just get lucky. I didn't just get a shout out. My numbers went up. Like it was a very slow and gradual process. Very slow. I love how you say, I said it's not an overnight, it wasn't an overnight success because you know what they say. She was an overnight success, except it took her 15 years. Exactly. Literally. That's how I feel (laughs) like. From one day to the next, my name got out there, but like it took my whole freaking life. <laughs> right. So how many years did it take to build yourself up in the industry? Let's say starting from when you were in college. So like from, from my last year in college till now, it's three years, three years of Stern. So let's say like the third year, I got really serious about it. The second year I was still, I, I was working on it, but the third year I got really, really serious about it. And I, 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 I'm out of school for two years already. So let's say like three years. Um, look at it three years of like really working in the field really hard and consistently. Yeah, it took you three years, which is obviously very normal. And I, although I'm thinking that's, is that even like quick, like a little bit quicker than usual? I don't know because right now Instagram is 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 everything so like if you start out now and you just have a really pop in instagram page you get booked so i feel like with me it took longer than that like i had a good page and i had pretty photos but it took a while i don't know maybe things happen faster now i'm not sure actually but it definitely i feel like i kind of started before instagram was really a thing right right so I wasn't only relying on Instagram. Um, I, I started like in high school. I was doing people in high school and like, I didn't have Instagram, so. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about sharing parts of your personal life with a large audience? Um, really not so comfortable. I mean, it dep- <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it really depends, like, this is like the first time I'm ever opening up like this ever publicly on this podcast. Cause I just feel like it's like a safer, more um, contained place versus like posting it as a post or stories. I don't know how that, what, how, why that makes sense in my head. So but it does. Thank you. Yeah, no, for real. Like, I never thought I'd ever my life. Be, Cause I mean, you called me to talk about lipstick. Like how did we end up on, end up on a podcast? I love it. I, I love it. Goldie. We were talking about pink lipstick for an hour. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you're coming on my podcast. And I was like, okay. I know. I was thinking, I was like, I feel like, well, we can talk about this also, but I, I also am seeing a part of you that's very, I, I don't want to say like a people pleaser. Cause I feel like that's a little bit, it has negative connotation. So I don't want to say that, but I feel like you also have a part of you. And I'm noticing like through speaking with you last week and this week, even the fact of your phone call, you know what I mean? That you don't want to hang up on the person that you really try to please other people in a, in a good way. You try to make people happy and you're a giver, you know? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I definitely try. Um, I, but listen, it's actually funny you mentioned that because if somebody asked me my weakness, I would say that one of them is people pleasing because I don't like to let people down. Maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. Maybe it connects to something deeper, but I generally like when like there's good vibes and, you know, everyone's happy and things work out. And I hate when people are in pain. So I'm always trying to like do what I could do to prevent that or to fix that. So it definitely has its cons because I can't be a fixer always. I can't always be fixing everything and people's issues and feeling and taking the responsibility for that so I definitely have to learn 
a balance and a fine line. But overall, like I definitely, I guess I would say that I try hard to, to, you know, to not do anything that would hurt anyone's feelings or to make them feel badly about themselves. Like I really try, try hard not to. It's special because not everybody's like that, you know? Um, but I'm sure that has an impact on your clients as well, because when you have that sensitivity as a makeup artist, especially, and you're doing what the client wants. So you want to make them feel beautiful and care about how they want to look as opposed to just caring about your own portfolio. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I feel like my whole reputation, my whole work um, ethic is just, you know, catering to my client's needs. Like it's totally not about me. Totally, totally not. And it's actually funny because sometimes people ask me like, is it so hard being single or dating while you're doing brides every day? And my answer is no, because it's so not about me that day. So I don't even think about it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, totally, totally. I get that question all the time. That's that's my answer. That's very interesting. It's true. It's true because you're kind of focused. Like this is what you're jo- you're focused on the job. This is what you're here to do. And I'm not gonna think about myself. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's still special though, because not everybody is like that. Some people would be thinking about themselves at the same time. Right, you know what I mean? right, right. Yeah, exactly. Who are your inspirations? Do you have anyone in particular you look up to or who's inspired you? So for me, it's more of like an ideal. Like, okay, for example, when I was in seminary, I heard about this girl that was just, you know, beautiful girl, also clean toilets, and then got married, you know, had a beautiful family, had kids. And like, that to me was goals. Right. So I guess it's more of like the image of someone that comes from really nothing, like very self-made. So anyone that's self-made to me is wow. You built yourself up, you worked from the bottom, you didn't have anything given to you. You had a vision and you had inner strength and resilience and you really climbed the ladder and you've had so many, you know, hard things thrown at you and you really persevered. So that's, those people are my inspiration. And I'm sure everyone in their life knows of a person or two that's like that. So that's my inspo. Yes, I love that. It's also about what you could relate to at the time. This is what you're going through. And you saw that there's somebody else who's who's made it past it, you know? Exactly. Like the people that come out on the other side and are there to tell the tale. Right. <laughs> and can maybe, you know, inspire other people just through their actions. I think that's really priceless. Absolutely. For sure. What's something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? I mean, I hope this generation of women also, but I I really hope that no matter who you are and where you come from, that you know that you're enough and that you never feel like you're less than or inadequate or not competent or capable or, um, you know, less than in any way, shape or form because you come from X, Y, and Z or because you're parents are not the you know wealthiest people in the community or have status or or pull you know but just who you are you're enough as you are and you're wholesome and you just feel it intrinsically and and take it with you wherever you go I love that that's beautiful and so true it is so so true okay so where can people find you if they want to learn more about you 
Insta, Insta baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all on the gram. You can find me on the gram. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't really have many platforms because I can barely handle one. But <laughs> and it's makeup honest, Goldie, makeup right? Goldie, yeah makeup goldie so goldie thank you so so much for joining me tonight thank you oh my gosh i'm i'm so honored you you had me on here i'm honored to have you and your story is so inspirational and empowering it really is like what you've accomplished and what you've gone through and i'm so excited for everyone to hear this and learn from you oh my god i'm a little nervous but i guess i'm excited too and <laughs> to, to put it out there into the world because I feel like till now, this was like inside of me and my closest friends. And now it's just, it's out there. So thanks for listening, guys. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 